Check it out. Welcome to Top of the Class. Hear from education experts and get insights from high achievers to learn how you can do the same. Get into those top schools. Ready? Proudly presented by Crimson Education, the world's leader in university admission support. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Top of the Class podcast. I'm delighted to have on the show today Kevin Paul. Kevin is a fantastic strategist for Crimson Education. Kevin, welcome to the show. Can you tell our lovely listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, Thanks for having me. Uh, My name is Kevin. I've lived in Hong Kong for about nine years uh, from the United States. And so I did my undergraduate at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And then I went on to law school, graduate school at Duke University and uh, spent some brief time in the law, law career, law industry, and then sort of translated those skills into international admissions and haven't looked back. So I've been working in international higher education for about the, the past 12 years and just coming up uh, August will just be my one year at Crimson, so relatively new to Crimson as well. Awesome, awesome. Well, I know we were just chatting off air about what we could talk about today, and we we kind of think that the the law experience, law pathway is a really interesting one, I feel, because like, you know, a lot of kids, if they're good at English, they enjoy debating, they might gravitate towards law, feeling that that's a, a safe path for them or an interesting one. But as you have so interestingly shown through your career, just because you study law doesn't mean you become a lawyer. Well, you did for a bit, but then didn't. So I'd love to know a little bit about like Kevin as a high school student looking ahead into UNC Chapel Hill, fantastic college, and then the decisions that you made along the way or the influencing factors that made you pick law at Duke. What was that like for you? Kind of what type of student were you uh, and, and why did you end up at Duke doing law? Uh, so you actually mentioned uh, one of the important kind of parts of my high school career, which was debate, right? And mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, so I was that student who was really big into debate and huge into politics. And so I was obsessed with following government, uh, U.S. and internationally. And so, um, you know, very kind of focused on the humanities and all of those kind of international affair things. And and so that was sort of my vision of a, a lawyer, uh, you know, uh, was the, the courtroom. And don't want to make it sound superficial, but if you look at movies and TVs, when you see a lawyer, you see them in the courtroom and all mm-hmm. of the kind of dramatic things. And, and so um, I loved debate. I loved watching policy. I loved watching uh, the C-SPAN, which is the U.S. Uh, channel that airs Congress, which most people find boring. And yes. so, uh, so uh yeah, and so that was me. And so I, I thought, well, um, I want to be a lawyer because th- this is what lawyers do. They go in and affect change and debate and do all kinds of exciting things. And um, so when I went into UNC, I studied political science in French um, and, and majored in both of those. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and, and, and sorry, and then like uh, you, so you, you're coming out of UNC and then. Was it still the dream to be a lawyer, even like how, how much experience did you have, you know, outside of uh, kind of TVs and movies and C-SPAN when you were finishing undergrad at UNC Chapel Hill and still felt like it was a good idea to go to Duke for law? Yeah, not much. I, you know, I, I still thought I wanted to go on that law track. Uh, you know, obviously I got to understand a little more about um, the ins and outs of uh, big firms just by talking to uh, people 
who I knew that went to law school. And, um, but because I studied politics, I studied abroad uh, for a year at UNC. I thought I was going to do some kind of like international law or, or big thing with that. Because again, it was my, my interest. My, I was fascinated with global affairs and global politics. And so uh, I applied to a joint degree program, which was a, a, a law degree in the U.S. at JD, and then also a master's of law in international and comparative law at Duke. And so that's uh, one of the reasons that actually drew me to Duke was that that program. Uh, and so I took a year off and worked briefly just to kind of collect myself. And during that year, applied to law school and ultimately ended up at Duke after that. Okay. Okay. And I know that, you know, when we're discussing with students potential pathways post high school, you know, law, as I mentioned, does come up a fair bit. Uh, Given your experience with it, both at the undergrad and postgrad level, or I mean, political science and then postgrad level in particular, uh, do you tend to warn students off or do you tend to encourage them to pursue that path? I tend to somewhere in the middle, ask them to do their research, maybe yes. to think very carefully, uh, you know, to be honest, outside of the kind of general interest I had, there was a draw for the potential money to be made in law. Mm. And, you know, that's just to, I mean, a lot of students look at that, but and I think it's still the case today, but whenever I was coming out, there was, you know, sort of bidding wars and law firm, the big firms, at least in the U.S., were keep on increasing their, their first year pay. And, and so for, and for a student that's coming out, you know, of university with not much money and then yeah. law school having to, you know, in the U S take out loans, uh, the, the sort of a lore of that, that big firm and big money also, uh, drew that into me. But, um, there is a flip side to that, that money is the amount of work you put in. Mm-hmm. And so I think, uh, you will see um, a lot of, people that work for these big firms have big salaries, but no time to do anything with that money. And so there's a a little bit or a big trade-off there. And uh, so definitely don't do it just for the money. Don't do it for uh, the prestige. Don't do it for what you think law is. Um, and, And so it's about, I guess, digging deeper because I think ultimately for me, the biggest thing was that I enjoyed the study a lot, a lot more than the practice. And mm. that I think that's the problem. Maybe what me and a lot of my other uh, former law students find is that we, we like to study. But when you get into a law firm or things like that, you know, it, it's completely different. And so maybe that's the kind of biggest thing that uh, turned me uh, away from a full career in law. Okay, well, I, I'm really interested in those differences, you know, like when you say the study and the practice is very different. I think that's a key, key point uh, because most students will not experience the practice until they've finished the study, as you right. did, right? And then you get to the practice side and you're like, this is not what I was hoping for. Um, so talking to me through, like, what, what are the major differences that you saw there? So at least in the U.S., uh, in Law schools uh, teach what is called through the Socratic method, where the teacher just calls on you in class and and sort of openly debates. Mm -hmm. And you get all of these kind of open discussions across a range of different uh, legal fields, right? So you learn constitutional law, you learn about criminal law, you learn about um, 
contract law and, and you have these kind of debates in class and you're you're reading a lot of cases and analyzing and and I think for people like me who like to learn and going back to those debate days that that's that part was really alluring and uh, when so my first job out of law school was actually a fellowship in, in uh, criminal law and um, I was doing mostly kind of reading and annotating for the, the more senior attorneys. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's a bit of a switch from the, the exciting atmosphere from the, the law school. And then when I moved out of that fellowship, I, I started working for a company in-house on contracts. And instead of debating contracts, I was just sort of reading them every day and making sure the language like standardized with what the company wanted. And so, yeah, I was in a little cubicle <laughs> and, yeah. and going through contracts for different types of manufacturing plants. And, and so, it, and maybe, you know, not to say that this is everyone's experience in, in law firms, but um, you, you definitely get siphoned and narrowed down and you start doing one thing. And, and so it's not the sort of, I guess the academic environment anymore. And maybe that's what uh, a lot of us were, were drawn to in the first place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can kind of become a law robot, you know, just read another contract, another contract, another contract. I, I will just take a little aside to say my father studied law and he, he used to tell a funny story where he, on his first day at, at a new law firm, they were like, oh, you know, welcome. It's great to have you. Da, da, da. And they said, look, you know, we, we need you to get up to speed on this case that we're doing. Here's a highlighter. I want you to go through and highlight all the times this particular phrase is used, whatever it was, and we'll get you for lunch. You know, we'll, we'll come back and we'll, we'll get you when we're going out for lunch. And he was like, oh, okay, yeah, no worries. You know, Keen Bean, like he was in his early 20s as well. Uh, he went in, started highlighting and reading and highlighting. It was a thick case study and whatnot that he had to go through. And uh, essentially, like, got to about, you know, 1 p.m. and he was looking around. And he was thinking, oh, "When when when lunch lunch is?" And then 2 p.m. and 3 p.m. He said, "Oh, these these guys have a late lunch." And then he he, came, he poked his head out at like 6 p.m. and like he was like, oh, "What happened?" And everyone had forgotten about him. They just left him there with this case study. And he was like, "What the hell is this?" So yeah, I think there's certainly in those early stages of working at law firms, it does sound like. Real grunt work, I think, is probably the you know the term to use. Where it's not that kind of sexy courtroom drama type of vibe. It's really just highlighting, reading contracts, that kind of thing. Is that the experience that you had? Yeah, what you're sort of mentioning this uh, is like document review, and and so mm. that's the the one used to be one of the biggest things was uh, in, in big cases, uh, you know, you had to like pull out certain keywords and, and, and that's what they would ha- have the interns do or first years do, you know, off tangent a bit, but, but a lot of that's now automated, right? Because, mm. uh, and, and a lot of, um, law firms are relying on uh, computers and AI to do this job. And so in, in some ways there's, uh, perhaps, um, some questions about the future, uh, yeah. of how law and in, in industry is because, uh, like you mentioned, and what things that your dad was, even I was doing, were, were um, the technology was not available. 
now the, the computers and robots can do it. Yeah. So it's like, what will you know first year law interns be doing? You know, if they're not doing right. that kind of grunt work, what other grunt work will there be? But there will always be some lower tier. And then I'm going to guess there is light at the end of the tunnel if you're prepared to you know stay the course and and uh, keep going through all those different paperwork and whatnot. So how far away do you think it is realistically for a student aspiring to the courtroom to be actually in the courtroom, you know, from like graduation to first courtroom appearance? What's the usual time frame there? Yeah, so I, my colleagues who stuck with it, uh, you know, put in the, the grunt work for uh, maybe a good three years or so and then start kind of getting more and more substantial things. And then um, you work um, three to six, seven plus years, become more senior. And then depending on a firm, uh, if you, at least in the US, eight, 10 plus years, you can start going on a junior partner track. And so there is, there is a pathway for those that are, are sort of built for that and, and, and like that. And um, yeah, like I said, it's um, you, a lot of it, you will get through a lot of networking and meeting different people. And, and, and if you have that kind of patients and are that type of person, there is a, a path to, to get you to um, some significant advancement. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's interesting. But we were discussing as well, just off camera that, you know, as you have found out, there's so many things that you can do with a law degree that doesn't involve a law firm in any way, shape or form, or sadly doesn't involve a courtroom uh, as alluring as that experience probably would have been. Uh, right. So you mentioned that your skill set from law took you in a lot of different directions. You did a business degree. You ended up now in international admissions. Uh, talk to me about like what exactly, you know, when you say skill set, what are you referring to there? And what could our listeners who are in high school do to start kind of imitating or emulating what that skill set might be at a high school level? Yeah. So uh, sort of mentioned we do a lot of reading in law school and a lot of reasoning and um, <clears throat> logic. And so you become uh, really good at um, reading uh, documents, reading people and, and things like that. And, and so um, I, so I worked for one year as a legal uh, recruiter, uh, as a headhunter for lawyers. And so mm -hmm. I, um, I had to kind of go through like hundreds and hundreds of, of CVs and resumes and uh, letters of interest. And you, you sort of become a good judge of how people kind of present themselves and things like that, which I think helped me when I moved into um, admissions and, mm. and just being able to, well, I say argue or negotiate those kind of skills. Those are useful in any type of setting and, and not, not just in a law setting. And um, if you're, Younger in high school, I mean, I do think uh, things like debate and speech are always great kind of pathways. And yeah. I know a lot of students, especially my students through Crimson do Model UN, which is really popular and, and those kind of things. And, and then um, just reading and, and keeping up with current events and, and even things like that uh, it is helpful. Just any kind of um, expansion of knowledge and critical thinking. So many different things you could be doing, I guess. Like there's always a you know, a segment of law that is relative to perhaps what you're interested in. I think it's a it's a very interesting field. And I think one of those things that students probably could work on is understanding what type it's like it's like a, you know, a doctor, you know. Sometimes you say to a, a student who wants to do medicine, you say, Oh, what type of medicine? 
And you say to an engineer, what type of engineering? But when someone says law, you generally don't question it. You're just like, oh, great, you know, law. But there's so many different types of law. Uh, do you tend when you're advising students to go that deep into their research and try and work out, you know, would you be wanting to do criminal law or contract law? Or is, is that something that they shouldn't worry about when they're in high school? I would say not worry too much. Uh, that, like, I think that you would maybe just want to research a little to make sure the perception is like the reality. And so if you are in high school and think that, you know, your dream job is uh, a prosecutor, for example, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, just to kind of do research uh, on what that actually involves and make sure it kind of aligns with what you, what you think it does. Mm. Um, ultimately, you'll have that time in law school to, to sort it out. But yeah, again, it's just kind of basic groundwork. You'll, you have time to sort it out, but uh, do a little research to begin with. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes hard to know where to do that research. When you say research, do you mean like try and talk to someone who's at a law firm, try and talk to someone who's at law school? Like what research do you think is most useful? I mean, the internet is a sea of information. And sometimes, uh, you know, we speak to students a lot of the time who have been doing research, but unfortunately in all the wrong places. And you're like, okay, you really have got yourself tangled up here. Like when you say research, do you point students in particular directions? Yeah, I think the, uh, you sort of mentioned the best is if you have people around you that have in, in law school or gone to law school. Um, I didn't know any, well, I had like some family members that were attorneys in high school, but when I got to college, I got to know some students who graduated ahead of me and went into law school and it was able to have conversations with them. And, and that was the most helpful was to get different students' perspectives. And mm -hmm. uh, even at that undergrad stage, um, when applying to law school, uh, was asking to speak to students at, at different law schools. And, and uh, a lot, most of the law schools, whenever you're an applicant, um, are willing and able to get you in touch with legal students. Because like you said, the, the, the internet's good and bad there. There, there's a lot out there for yeah. um, students to, to look at, but um, the best thing is to try to get in touch with people that have actually gone through the experience. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I'm going to guess that's kind of what you do as a strategist here at Crimson. Can you give us a bit of an insight, like for students who don't know strategists at Crimson, but essentially oversee a student's overall program? So students at Crimson work with a number of different mentors, and the strategist is the one that's kind of like giving an overview of where the program direction is, what's the priority at this stage, what are the colleges we're looking at, these kind of like overarching recommendations that kind of shape the entire program. How's that experience been for you, if I have described it correctly, that is? Yeah, that is uh, sums it up very nicely. Um, taking uh, students, and I, I work particularly with the United States, and just helping them sort out that journey. Uh, if I, Some of my students are younger, so we we help them with the long-term planning. Uh, some of my students join right near the application. And then it's just sort of navigating the, the many universities and many majors that are possible in, in the U.S. And, and finding what the best fit for my students are. Mm. And, and in terms of like, uh, you know, things that you see students typically tripping up on, is there anything that you are always trying to help students to avoid particular mistakes that they might make? I don't know if this is a mistake, but 
a common issue is students who only know about the top 10 universities in the U.S. Mm. <laughs> and uh, an obsession with um, Harvard and Yale and uh, Stanford and Berkeley. And, it, you know, they're all great schools and it's not bad, but um, they're not always the right fit for everyone. And yeah. um, I think that is one of the, the biggest issues is, is that some students just don't know about all the other great schools that are in the U.S. And even some that are in the top 20, some people have never heard of. And so they assume they're not good. Mm. And um, I think, you know, speaking in the U.S., at least going into a graduate program, there's something to be said for going to a school that's the right fit undergrad, uh, succeeding well at that. And then if, if, if your ultimate goal is an Ivy is, is take that path, apply it at grad school and, and not to get kind of locked into this idea that um, you know, your life's over if you, you don't get into a top 10 school in the U.S. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, there was a, you know, one of the fantastic students that I met at Harvard Medical School uh, when I was over there on a college tour. He did his undergrad at Texas uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, he was blown away to get the admission into the Harvard Med School program, but he did really well in his undergrad and the school really fit him, which I think enabled him to do so well. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's like this kind of bang for your buck mentality that students have. They're like, if I'm going to go and invest this money and invest this time into a US college education, I want the best of the best. I want to be able to tell all my friends the name of the college I'm going to, and they immediately know exactly you know, the prestige of it and whatnot. So if you, if you say to them like, I don't know, uh, Johns Hopkins, for instance, fantastic university, but internationally not nearly as well known as you know your harvard stanford type of universities uh, but yeah definitely the rankings are a, a real skew factor in terms of what students think think is quote unquote good you know so how much do you have to spend battling the uh, the ranking anxiety or the ranking is the thing that i should be deciding my college journey on uh, a fair amount uh, and then mm. you know there's also uh, a secondary issue, you know, with uh, the parents as well. And so sometimes there's uh, a struggle where the student might be on board, but the parents aren't. And so, um, yeah, but like you, you, you mentioned, it's, it's sort of uh, that student who got into Harvard is, is helping or trying to get people to think about uh, the, the long-term and, and long-term goal and, and not kind of narrowing. Um, it's a big, U.S. is a, big country with a lot of universities and, and it's just a um, different um, sort of atmosphere and mindset than, you know, students who are from like when my students are in Australia and New Zealand where you have great universities, but there's, you know, only a few around and that's just because you know, population wise. And, and I don't think people can sort of sometimes visualize, um, you know, when you have a country of 350 plus million people, yeah. you're going to have a lot of, uh, universities to accommodate a lot of smart people. And so uh, mm. it's a, a, a sort of journey and um, a strong suggestion of sort of researching and, and showing in the university, like, you know, I, I know this university, you might not have heard of it, but I think it might fit your personality. So take a look, take a look at this professor and tell me what you think. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, and I also advise students here in Australia, New Zealand, um, and, and elsewhere around the world as well, that if they want to go to like a top law school, uh, they're much better off going and doing an undergrad in the US 
so a lot of students say, well, uh, well yeah, you know, I'm an RN. I don't feel quite ready to go and do my undergrad overseas. I'll do it here and then I'll, I'll try and get into Yale Law School or something like that. And I'm like, oh, that's a, I mean, as far as I know, that's a, that's a really tough route. I know that uh, Yale Law School occasionally publishes their uh, postgrad courses and like where the people are from. You know, like all these are all our students doing postgrad law. This is where they all did their undergrad. And uh, ain't no students on there from Australia and New Zealand, that's for sure. So is that something that you would probably agree with based on your experience? Definitely. Uh, you know, not just, um, it's not necessarily the quality of the education, but it's it's about just being there, the, the, the networking, uh, who, who you know. Um, part of it's the, pro- the processes, right? So um, I think maybe one of the drawbacks for people coming to the U.S. is that you have to do your four years of undergraduate before you can go into a, a, a Juris Doctorate in yeah. the U.S., and so additional three years. And so for some people, they think, I'm just going to go in and get my Bachelor's of Law, uh, and then and that's it. But um, but if you are really wanting to go to the U.S., um, that, that pathway from a, uh, an international Bachelor's of Law to a U.S. degree is very narrow because it's very competitive. There's smaller, there's smaller uh, spaces um, for international students. And you have to really be like the top of your class to be mm. considered for even, um, even a top 50 uh, a graduate degree in the U.S. if you're coming from uh, interna- international. So if you're in the U.S., you have a lot more resources to prepare for um, the LSAT, which you'll have to take to go to law school yep. in the U.S., and, and um, just a lot more opportunity. And so, um, so yeah, again, it's um, it, it, is it saving time versus um, getting you to where you need to go? And you have to really kind of think about if my end goal is to study and or practice in the U.S., um, the, the best route is to actually start your undergrad in the U.S., Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Is, is there any other advice that you would give for students considering law? Um, and and because that's, I think, a, a very interesting conversation. I mean, this is probably something that you have a lot of time with your students on is that, you know, the pathway, you know, this is the end goal. I you know, want to practice law here or I want to practice law in the UK or whatever it might be. But it's the the way you get there and the probability or the, you know, the chances of that actually playing out if you choose whichever path. Um, so is there any kind of broad advice that you would have for students who are kind of at the starting line, they can see where they want to be, but they don't know which path they're going to take? Uh, yeah, uh, I would say, um, think about like, if you if you just want to go to the US, get your degree and, and come back home or go somewhere else, then oh, sure, maybe you get your your bachelor in your home country, try to get a graduate degree and come back. But if your ultimate goal is you want to get to the U.S., get into a U.S. firm and go that route uh, to definitely sort of start the U.S. in the undergrad level. And then also think about what, you know, why are you wanting to study in the U.S. as well? Um, Is it the sort of liberal arts education kind of part of it? Is it the typical U.S. university experience, those kind of things? Because um, those are they're sort of intangibles that you get out of that four year in the U.S. as well, um, besides the, the bachelor degree. And, and so think about what kind of 
college experience do you want? And, and so, um, yeah, realize there's two paths um, and just kind of have to decide for yourself, um, is this path aligning with what I want to do? Um, and then you also want to say, like, if you don't know you want to be a lawyer, then maybe the route to the U.S. is better route for you because you're not locked in like yeah. in a lot of universe, in a lot of countries. And so if you are one of those people that likes um, politics, likes uh, law, likes all these other fields, then go to the U.S. and get your bachelor. Then if you change your mind, you don't have to become a lawyer. And so. Uh, there is a, an advantage to, to spending those extra few years in the United States if you're if you're a, a person who's not quite sure as well. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. No, I think that's really good advice, and I hope this episode reaches the ears that it needs to reach because I think it's such an interesting discussion around law, and I think a lot of students, as I said, kind of choose it as a default because it's prestigious and they don't like science, you know, <laughs> so they're like, oh, law, uh, but really it does take a lot more thought that research piece that we were talking about and understanding the path that they want to go to reach that. Um, final question, actually, before I let you go, if not law, then what is another option for students to look at potentially? If they've got like the interest and skill set, but are not really up for like the post-grad pathway or, or all these types of things, like what are some other courses that you could have students do some research on potentially? So if you're not going to go to law, you can look at, um, still look at things like public policy, for example, uh, I think is a, a good route, in, um, a sort of offset of political science, um, or staying in sort of some kind of um, academic, academia, because a lot of uh, people that like us that go in, into law like reading and research. And so if you're uh, interested in like a history, then uh, go in into sort of academia and history. And so you have the sort of government politic route or maybe uh, a research um, sort of route, uh, be it academic or even researching for uh, working for the government in some capacity. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I think it's such a, it's not as much discussed, particularly here in Australia from what I've seen, you know, a lot of the time uh, when a student says they're going to be a lawyer or a doctor, most people are like, great, we'll get out of your way. Go do that because that's prestigious. But, you know, like I, I, yeah. I think in that way, a lot of students miss the obvious kind of red flags that are, you know, in their future potentially because they they probably should have got advice earlier and realized that it's probably not for them had they really seen what, you know, as you experienced uh, when you went there and started doing the grunt work, you're like, oh, this is not really what I saw myself doing. Um, so, yes, uh, students don't just kind of make your decisions as young Kevin did on the basis of, uh, you know, TV shows and movies, as, as alluring as that may be. Uh, it's worth doing a little bit more research and perhaps chatting with someone like Kevin uh, in our strategy team if you're interested in studying in the US, UK or anywhere else for that matter. But thank you so much for joining us on the top of the class and I look forward to sharing this episode far and wide. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Top of the Class. Subscribe for future episodes. For show notes and to plan your best future, head to crimsoneducation.org.